Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. If you weren't here for announcements and you're new here this morning, my name is Drayton Shanks. I'm the Louisville campus pastor and just so excited to continue our walk through Ecclesiastes this morning. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to grab it. If you don't have one, there should be one under the seat in front of you. I'd love for you to grab that one uh, as well. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. The title of today's sermon is God's Grace in Time. God's grace and time. I'm going to read God's word starting in chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll just continue to root into God's word. The title of this section in the Bible is called A Time for Everything. God's word says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time for peace. This is God's word. This is where we're going to be today. And this is a great text for all of us because we are obsessed with time. Every single one of us in here, we are obsessed with time. Think about how often you or people around you talk about wanting to freeze time or go back in time or fast forward time. We talk about time all the time. It's crazy when you really think about it. We say that word so often. Think about all the movies that revolve around time. Back to the Future, Groundhog Day, Inception, Tenet, The Tomorrow War. Like, I mean, that, the, the laundry list of movies that revolve around time is so long. And a list that's even longer than that is songs that have to do with time. And we'll get to some of those this morning. But we are a people obsessed with time. Now, if you're a baby boomer here this morning, we established a few weeks ago, baby boomers, y'all are, y'all are loud and proud of your generation, which is fantastic. But maybe if you're a baby boomer, as you were reading this poem, you were like, hold on, wait, a time to be born, a time to die. You're like, I know this song. And if all you did was add turn, 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 then you would have the bird song and you'd be correct, right? So some of you know that song. To every season turn. That's this. This is the birds. Listen, some of y'all, Gen Z, maybe you're too young. You don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all are the people that don't know the difference between Garth Brooks and Darth Brooks. But listen, the birds are, are a classic rock band. You can go look them up on Spotify, BYRDS. This is the inspiration for that song, Turn, Turn, Turn. And we're obsessed with time. The general theme of chapter three has to do with the sovereignty of God and his timing. When we consider time in view of God, it should leave us to do two things that Ecclesiastes continues over and over again to point us to. Fear God, and in fearing God, worshiping God, living for God, surrendering to God, in reverence and awe of God, and enjoying God. Enjoying God for who he is, enjoying God for the gift we've been given in Christ, and enjoying God in all the gifts we have that are from him as we consider time in view of God. Now, when I was growing up, I I loved sports, and and so in the 90s, I watched the Chicago Bulls play a lot because Michael Jordan was legit, and he was amazing, and the Mavericks at that time were not. Now, I'm a Mavericks fan for life, but in the 90s, 
was not such a great season, right? So I watched a lot of MJ, and maybe you did too. And if you did, you might be familiar with, they would get in the, the tunnel before a game, and they'd be getting pumped up for the game, and someone would go, what time is it? Game time, that's right, that's exactly what time it is. Now see, the second gathering, someone responded to, 8.30 was crickets, they were still trying to wake up. But what time is it? Game time, that's right. And that question is very applicable for this text, but more accurately, it's whose time is it? God's time. See, y'all get it, y'all get it. Whose time is it? It's God's time. Who created time? God did. Who rules over time? God does. Who's in charge of time? God is. This is a poem about time and the realities and the experiences of life. Now, some of these experiences are seen as positive and some are seen as negative. See, the great theologian, Hootie and the Blowfish, which was the first concert I ever attended. I don't know if that's something to brag about or not, but that's the first live concert I ever went to, Hootie and the Blowfish. They have a song called Time. And Hootie and the Blowfish with the beginning of the song says, Time, why you punish me? And the song goes on and on. Time, you're no friend of mine. Time, it's, it's talking about how heavy and hard time can be. And some of you maybe resonate with that this morning. Do you feel like you're being punished by time? And if so, why do you feel that way? Is it because you want to control time but you can't? Are you frustrated with time? Does this resonate with you this morning? How many of you have said this just this week, there's not enough hours in a day? There's not enough hours in a week. See, we feel the tyranny of time. And sometimes in life, it feels like life is going really fast and you can't catch it. And season to season, and season to season, life just keeps flying, it keeps flying, it keeps flying. You want to slow down, but it can't because time just keeps going and going and going and going and you can't get to slow down. And in other seasons of life, it feels like it's moving in slow motion and you wish you could speed it up, but it just won't. And then there's seasons of life that go to the drumbeat and just keep going down the conveyor belt of life and everything just keeps happening the way that it always does. And in different seasons of life, we feel those different realities. See, we rarely realize, though, that at each time and moment of our lives exists within a season of time. We're in different seasons, like childhood. My youngest son, Charlie, he's five years old. He doesn't know, right? He doesn't think about that he's in a season of his childhood. He doesn't know that he's living out his childhood currently. He doesn't pop up next to me on the couch and go, Dad, you know, I was thinking about this season of life and childhood and and I don't really have that much responsibility, and, and you and mom are just pouring yourselves out to me all the time, and, and because I'm in my childhood, I'm, I'm immature, and y'all show me patience and kindness, and, and I'm just so thankful that I have you in this season of life. It never happens, ever. Teenagers, dude, teenagers, teenagers think that they're the star of the movie. They, they think that every song is written about them. They think they are the reason for the season, Therefore, they have a hard time recognizing that they're actually living out a season of life because it's all about them. Some of us adults still have that issue in us, we're being honest. Young adults, you're in your young 20s, you think, you know what, I'm an adult now, so I get it. I get it, I know what it's like to be an adult. I got a dog that I treat like a baby, and, and I totally know what it means to be a grown-up. But people in their 30s, they scoff at you. People in their 40s, they scoff at the 30-year-olds. 
50s, they scoff at the, uh, the 40-year-olds. It's over and over and over again because the older people go, I'm more seasoned, I have more wisdom, and you think you know, but you have no idea what it means to be an adult. When you get to your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, man, life just seems to really pick up and move. And you have a hard time keeping up with the seasons. Time flies. Like you think back and you think, man, from kindergarten through college felt like forever. But now, man, I've had 18 years fly by like that. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. And then you get to your older age and you start to realize like, man, I'm, I'm in the last chapter of my life. There's no more pages at the end of this book. And that's where Solomon is here in Ecclesiastes. He's in his old age and, and he's looking back on life. And it's good to know the season that you're in and to embrace it. You need to know the season you're in and embrace it. Like it would be really foolish to run your heater in the summer. You should be running your AC right now. It would look silly if you were doing it the other way around. Infants don't fly airplanes. Grandparents don't fight in the UFC because you have to understand what season you're in. Fellas, ladies, some of us here today, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we're never going to be in our 20s again. It's just not going to happen. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you want it, you can inject everything you want into your face. You can take as many pills as you want to take. You can do all the hair treatments you want to your hair. Ain't coming back, right? You can dye your hair. You can do all these things, supplements, surgeries, and you can try really hard to reverse time, but you're never going to be able to do it. You should just embrace the season that you're in. See, my wife, Lauren, she will occasionally ask me, she'll go, do I look like a mom? And I hate that that's like got negative connotation. It's like, yes, sweetheart, baby, you look like a mom because you're a mom. Like, and, and you're beautiful. Like, I find my wife more beautiful now than I did when we were married. And plus, if she looked like she was 21, it, we'd look really weird standing next to each other. If she looked 21 and I look like this, because, and maybe I've just accepted it more because I've had a dad bod since I was in sixth grade. So maybe I've just more accepted like, this is who we are. But she's a mom because that's every minute of every day. By God's grace, she, she, we have three boys. It's amazing. So yes, she's a mom and she's beautiful, but, but the world has these negative connotations. And so instead of believing in the lies of this world, we should embrace the seasons that God has us in. See, a lot of us long for future seasons. You want to look past the season you're in right now and you want to fast forward. Some of y'all are in a sweet season and you want to freeze time. Like, no, I love this time. I want to freeze time because there's no way it could possibly get any sweeter I know best, I want to freeze time. Some of y'all, you're in a season you don't like, but you love the season you just came out of. And so you start getting just absorbed and looking back, and like, it's like the, the, the beetles are in your head, and you're like, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. And you just believe that. You believe no yesterday, the past is where it's at. And that's not true because God has you presently where you are and that's exactly where he wants you. Because there are sweet seasons in every season of life and God bears fruit in all of them. He tells us, look at verse 11, we'll get to this more next week. Verse 11 of chapter three, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. We have a beautiful God and his timing is beautiful. And so whether you're in a joyful season, a sorrowful season, a mundane season. He's bearing fruit in every season because he's a good God. He's beautiful and his timing is beautiful. 
And here in these first eight verses, it's really 14 pairs of opposites in this poem. And it's the extremes on both ends. It encapsulates everything that happens between these bookends of life. So what we're going to do is just go verse by verse and unpack them. So verse 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Every matter under heaven occurs within a season and is sovereignly managed by God. And it begins with, verse 2, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. Being born and planting are two examples of life. One thing all of us have here in common today, we have a birthday. We were born. There was a time for us to be born. There's a time for us to die. You didn't ask to be born when you were born. God knitted you together in your mother's womb and chose the time and the place. On the flip side of that, our death is imminent, and we don't get to choose the time or the occasion for that either. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Now, we for sure prefer healing and building, but killing and breaking can't be avoided in this life. And Solomon doesn't get into what constitutes a just war or, or a justified killing. He's just simply speaking on the facts of life. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Life contains sorrow and joy, doesn't it? If you're a Christian here today, then you know that well, because in Christ there's joy everlasting and forevermore. But on this earth, there's still brokenness and sin, and it's hard. So as a Christian, there's always sorrow full of joy. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. It's good and right to mourn and weep when you're in a season of that. Jesus Christ wept. You can go read John 11:35. He mourned and wept. There are seasons that are meant for us to mourn and weep. And then there are seasons to laugh. We should laugh so more than we do. We should take Jesus Christ far more seriously than we do, and we should take ourselves way less seriously than we do. We should enjoy the blessings that God gives us. Now, some of you may not be down with this for one reason or another, but there is absolutely a time to dance, okay? Dancing is amazing, and my next season of dancing is tonight, because if you know Mark McPherson, he's, he's our student minister here in Louisville. He's getting married tonight to his fiance Andrea, and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to dance my face off tonight, because here's the thing about Mark. He loves music, and I've heard him talking about, he's been talking with the DJ. He's got, like, everything planned out. He loves him some Michael Jackson. I'm, I'm, I'm right on board with that, too. It's going to be legit. He's got everything planned. He doesn't know what a groom's cake is, but he knows exactly what songs are going to be played, and I'm not kidding either, because I asked him a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, what kind of groom's cake are we going to be served at your wedding? And he was like, what's a groom's cake? It's a groom's cake? Bro, that's my other option besides your wedding cake to eat. And he was like, that's really selfish of a groom to eat a whole cake at his wedding. I was like, oh, dude, I can't with you. You don't even know what a groom's cake. I was like, what are we eating at your reception? He was like, I don't know. But he can tell you every song that we're going to dance to tonight. So that's going to be legit. We're going to dance tonight. And you should have seasons of dancing too. Because there's joyful times in life. Weddings. Birth of children, graduations, seasons of sweetness with family and friends, those occasions where you laugh so much that your face hurts. And there's sorrowful seasons. Loss, separation, disease, pain, death, funerals that we can't avoid. Verse 5, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Now there's a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. This, the meaning of this is a reference to casting away stones on a field after an enemy would overtake 
someone in war. You can see an example of this in 2 Kings 3.19 if you want to look it up later, but it's something you would do when you conquered an enemy, and then they would remove the stones when it was time for them to replant. Now the second part of verse 5, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Although hard, you have seasons where you got to say goodbye. Some goodbyes are easier than others, but goodbyes are never really that easy. They're, they're usually really hard. That's why boys to men told us, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Ooh. And boys to men, they were telling me that when I was in middle school, and yet I'm at a middle school dance doing some embracing that should not be happening at middle school, okay? Middle school dances, there's some embracing that should just not be embraced, okay? They should have said goodbye. We shouldn't dance with each other. We're too young. This is goofy. But there are seasons to embrace. There are seasons to say goodbye, and there are seasons to embrace. We should embrace our loved ones way more than we do. You're never going to regret embracing your loved one. Maybe some of y'all have gotten lost up like I have on YouTube watching this, or maybe you've actually been at the airport when you watch someone come back from a military assignment and they see their family waiting for them. And you don't even know the people, and it'll bring you to tears because it'll melt your heart. You watch this embracing, a time to embrace. There is a time to embrace. And we should embrace each other far more than we do. Verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. It reminds us that there is nothing in this world that is ours forever. There's some hoarders here this morning that need to read that verse again. Because there is a time to have a garage sale, y'all. And there's a time to cast away those pants that you're never going to fit into ever again. I'm preaching to myself. Listen, I don't know what's weird. We love clothes. And I've got like some shirts and some pants in my closet that I wore in my 20s that for some reason I think are so cool. And somehow I look at them all the time. I'm like, someday, someday this is going to happen. And it's not. Like it's not going to happen. That season is past. And it tells me right here in Ecclesiastes 3, I need to cast those clothes away. And maybe you do too. But in all seriousness, there are times when we need to let go of things that we do not need to carry. There are things that you are carrying that you are not meant to carry and you need to cast away. Maybe there's things in your life that you think are good things, but if they're keeping you and distracting you from a rich, intimate relationship with God, you need to cast them away. Because there's nothing better than God. So if something's standing in the way of you in a relationship with him, it is time to cast those things away. Verse 7, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. This is referring to a morning of tearing of garments. It's talking about moments where to keep silent, moments when we're to speak. Some parents, you might want to use this verse for your little ones, a time to keep silent, right? We don't want to take scripture out of context, except when it benefits us, maybe in parenting, if it actually works, which honestly, man, those times are few and far between, amen, getting the kid to actually listen to you. But there are times for us to speak, and there's actually more times than not that we should just be silent and listen, because our tongues are powerful and can do wicked things. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We're taught in the Bible to actually hate certain things, or to love what God loves and hate what God hates. We're told this in Romans 12, 9, it'll be up on the screen. God's word says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. We are to hate what is evil and to love what God loves. There's a time for war and a time for peace. 
So a summary here, the full range of human existence is reflected in this poem. From birth to death, we have the full range of human emotions in this life. Weeping, laughing, mourning, dancing, loving, and hating. We also have the whole range of human activity as well. We have planting and gathering, killing and healing, breaking down and building up. This poem is to represent the entirety of life. Now, now what are we to do with it? See, Solomon doesn't say that we should just obtain the desirable and avoid the undesirable. He's simply reflecting on life as it is. He's saying, that's life. And maybe you've told someone that before. Maybe you've heard that from someone before. Maybe you've heard Frank Sinatra tell you, that's life. That's what all the people say. And it is what all the people say. You see someone younger than you especially, and they're going through a season where they don't like what they're doing. They don't like the timing of everything. You say, hey, son, that's life. I've been there, man. That's life. There's ups and there's downs. And if that's such an Ecclesiastes statement, right, that's life. Life includes some good stuff. It includes some bad stuff and everything in between, and it's all contained here in this poem. Chances are if you scroll through your phone at news or actually watch news on TV, every story you come across fits in one of these categories in this poem. There's people celebrating. There's people mourning. There's people confused. See, instead of always looking for balance in life, we should embrace seasons more. There's so many seasons in life, and instead of trying to always find balance, we should try and embrace these seasons. See, life really is less about balance and more about seasons we're in. And we need to know what those are. So Josh Fink, he's, he's in the room right now. He's in our discipleship group. He's an aspiring CPA. I can't tell Josh, hey, you should find some balance in your life, okay? No, my man's in a season of study, so he needs to study so that maybe by God's grace he becomes a CPA. If he doesn't study, he's trying to find balance, he may fail and not become a CPA. Now if that happens, that's God's grace too, that's his timing or whatever, but he's in a season of study. We need to know what kind of season we're in and embrace it. We need wisdom to know what season we're in. See, part of the frustration of life comes when we try to live in the wrong season. We try to live in a former season. And we can't accept the current season that we're in. It's because of our sin nature, because we want to be God. That's what our sin is. We want to be God. We don't want to listen to God. We want to do what we want to do and think we know best. It's what Adam and Eve did, eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. They wanted to be God. They wanted to know everything. And so do we. We want to control everything. We want to say how things go and when they should happen. But you're not God and I'm not God. Only God is God, and he is the great conductor of the symphony of life. What do conductors primarily do? They keep time. And I don't know if you've ever seen a conductor in front of an orchestra, but it's incredible to watch one person know exactly what every instrument's doing at one time and making sure that everything happens harmoniously together to create this beautiful music. And on an infinitely more incredible, amazing, can't even fathom it scale is God's orchestration of this life. He is conducting and orchestrating everything all the time. The universe, our world, everything under his orchestration. He's the conductor of season. He's sovereignly over every moment of time which has or will ever exist. And his orchestration is beautifully perfect even though we don't always like it or understand it because we're not God. But in order to trust God's timing, we must trust God's heart. Otherwise, we'll never trust him. We have to trust God's heart to trust his timing. Instead of in season saying, why God? Why would you do this? 
by God's grace, more accurately, we should say, God, help me. I know you're good. I know who you say you are. And I know you're for your glory. And because you're for your glory, that's for my good. And God, give me clarity and understanding. And if I can't have understanding, God, just give me peace that surpasses all understanding. Because God and Jesus, I know you love me. I know you love me more than I could love myself. I know you're more for me than I could be for myself, which is hard for me to understand, God, but just please help me to be settled with your timing and find rest and peace in Christ and Christ alone. And instead of going to these songs all around us about time and how we want to go back in time or how time punishes us, we should just sing songs that maybe a lot of you learned in your childhood that are sweet. We look at them as silly, but they're sweet. I know many of you have sung the song, He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands so we can trust God in all he said. Other gatherings sing with me on that one. Maybe y'all don't know that song. But it's a good song, and it's a sweet song. And it may seem elementary, but it's beautiful because he does have the whole world in his hands. And we can trust him because of this, and we can rest because of this. And we can find peace in God's timing because of this. Now, in verses 1 through 8, there's no actual mention of God. We'll get to that next week. And there's also no mention of life beyond the grave, but the poem ends with peace. Now let's think about time in relation to God, in relation to the one who does provide life beyond the grave, the one who will bring in total peace. God's timing is always perfect, and the gospel is right on time. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is always on time. It's incredible. Jesus was born and lived at the exact right time. Galatians 4, 4 will be up on the screen. God's word says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God did not just up and decide one day, oh, I think they, they need help. Today seems like it's a good day. Yeah, well, you just go. I'm going to send you down, okay, son? No. God told us about when Jesus would return in Genesis 3. God's known from beginning when he was going to send his son, and it was at the exact right time that Jesus needed to come. And Jesus died at the exact right moment that Jesus was supposed to die. See, what's amazing is that now we, by God's grace, live in light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we know Ecclesiastes isn't the last book in the Bible, that Revelation is, and we know the good news of Jesus Christ, we can see that verses 1 through 8 are saturated with Jesus Christ. Let's go through them. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Jesus was born that he may die for us that we could live and grow in him. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Jesus was killed that we may be healed and was broken down that we may be built up in him. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Jesus mourned the loss of fellowship with his Father so that we could gain fellowship with the Father and dance in his presence forevermore. Verse 5, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Jesus Christ was scorned that we could be embraced. Verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose time to keep and a time to cast away. Luke 19, 10 will be up on the screen. God's word says, for the son of man, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 
Verse seven, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Jesus kept silent as he was accused, but he was vocal about the gospel, and we should be too. There's not one season in life, no matter how hard, how easy, how joyous, how mundane, that we should not be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It is always a good season to share the good news of Jesus Christ because there's nothing that's more important. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. All hatred, all sin fell on Christ as he loved us to death on the cross. With his wounds we are healed, with his wounds we have peace, with his wounds we have love. Jesus rose at the right time and Jesus will return at the appointed time. Revelation 22, 20 will be up on the screen. God's word says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. Everyone in this room, whether you've actually said it or not, you've been in seasons where you just cry out, man, Jesus, come back. Heal this broken world. Make everything whole. Bring new heavens, new earth like you say you will. And he will at the exact right time, and we can trust God with that. But until that day that only God the Father knows, all of us here are in this poem, and we are on a trajectory towards death. It's what we all face. It's the curse of sin, the penalty, the wages of sin is death. Verse 2 says there is a time to die. And if you are not a Christian, if you have not professed belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sin and self-righteousness, there is no time like the present to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. This is the perfect time to do that. Confess Him as Lord. Believe in Him as your Savior. Repent of your sin and self-righteousness. Turn from self into Jesus by His grace exposing you that you're broken, but in Christ you are healed and completely forgiven and have eternal life. In Christ, death is now the doorway to presence and a life with God forever. There's no longer something we have to fear. We will rise with a new body one day when Christ returns, and I'm hoping to be in the band, y'all. I love singing. I'm hoping I get a place in the choir or something because it's going to be lit, and maybe I get my hair back. I don't know. Spike it up like back in high school. It's going to be amazing. I don't know how it's going to be, but it's going to be Absolutely amazing. Jesus Christ fills our days with joy and gladness even when we know death is inevitable because he's defeated sin, Satan, and death. In Christ, we have right relationship with God, so we're no longer children of wrath. We're sons and daughters to God. So now our dad, the God of the universe, quite literally becomes our dad in Christ, the creator of time, the sustainer of time, the orchestrator of time, so in Christ, quite literally, time is on our side. See the Rolling Stones when they sing, time is on my side. Yes, it is. They had no idea the truth that they were professing, that in Christ, yes, time is on your side because in Christ, God is on your side. And you are his. And you can trust God's timing. Today, the time to respond to Christ's work is now. Yesterday's gone. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Some of you know that better than others. We're not guaranteed anything in this life. 
We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The time to respond is right now. There's no better time to respond. The work of Jesus demands a response. You will either walk out of this room with a hardened heart or your heart will be melted by the love of Christ and you will surrender at the foot of the cross this morning. You'll be reminded of the work of Jesus Christ and respond by standing to your feet and glorifying God in worship. Trust him in the time you've been given. Glorify him in the time that you've been given. Enjoy him in the time that you've been given. And live your life for him in the time that you've been given. And we can live in this broken world as we rest in the Savior who's overcome it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you're a good father and an all-powerful God who oversees all of time. God, we so badly want to control time. We want to control our lives. We want to control the people's lives around us. We want to be you, but we can't. We think that we know, but we have no idea we would be terrible gods. God, I pray this morning that you would allow all of us to repent, to turn from self, and to turn to Christ. Whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, God, to surrender our lives at the foot of the cross, to trust you. God, every single one of us here this morning, we're in different seasons of life. All of us. Some of them, it feels like we've been stuck in a season for years. Some of us, we just entered into a brand new season. And some of these seasons are, are joyous. And some of these seasons are brutally hard. And some of these seasons are confusing. But God, I pray that you would allow us to just embrace the season that we're in and know that even if we can't understand it and don't know why, you're at hand and you're working in our lives. That instead of running from you, that we would run to you that you would give us peace, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us the ability to find our life in you. May we trust you and surrender to you this morning. You're a good sovereign God. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.